0: The Short Game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by none of my co-hosts except my bro it's just a twin show this week just the two of us oh god i knew you were gonna we sing that we'll make it if we try just the two of us It's not even a funny joke shane it's just you and I. it's the most yes thank you shane it is just the two of us and so we're uh we're just hanging out this week and this was kind of a break glass episode <laughs> we have uh we have had kirby and the forgotten land uh i guess both of us have played it but i have played it absolutely to death Uh, um i have played it probably more this is a game that has like a main story uh listing of like 10 hours on how long to beat which does qualify it as a short game um i have spent probably uh 30 hours with this game at this point if not like much more somewhere somewhere north of that um i have very nearly 100% of the game and then started over on this game, which is only only because um, it's my son's obsession. We love this game. Um, mostly, me playing is me just helping him. Um, mm. And uh, I yeah. felt good about introducing that to your household because I, I bought the game. I came over one day and uh, we were hanging out and I put the game on on the TV and I could just see your son's mm-hmm. eyes like explode when he saw Kirby these colorful characters and and then you guys were playing it constantly after that and you played way more of it than I did yeah. and I felt like either I just dropped the bomb on your house or I did something good for you yeah. I'm not sure which five-year-old kiddo is absolutely a sucker for a character action game uh with a like cute little pink character he's he loves anything cute and uh Kirby is that absolutely so uh, I love Kirby too. This is really the first Kirby game that I have fallen in love with, except for the very first one, uh, the way back on the game boy. And, uh, you know, like it's, it, it this is incredible. This game is super good. Yeah. <clears throat> I have played less of it than you, but I've still also played quite a lot of it and a lot of it with my kid. Um, so Uh, Just just to explain why we're covering this now, uh, I said this was a break glass episode. We'd been keeping this game in our back pocket for emergencies. The emergency is that I have a third child coming uh, like this week. So I am fully expecting to be out of commission for a while. I haven't had much time to play. We're doing a lot of prep and we're uh, and I'm already I'm already tired. I'm already exhausted. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like next week. Um, So. Uh, This was just one of those times where I did not have any games in the in the catalog, you know, nothing, nothing ready to go. And so here we are talking about Kirby, Uh, Mm -hmm. just me and Shane. Um, But you know what? There's a lot of of fun stuff to say about this. And because it is Shane, just you. It's just you and me. It's just us. We're just hanging out. Yeah, this is just the hangout episode. So we can just chat about whatever. Yeah. You know, just (laughs) like should we talk about video games? That's what we usually talk about. Uh, we we talk about a lot of video games even when we're not uh not podcasting so yeah uh so what's up uh i'll tell you what's up with me i got the steam deck today came in the (laughs) came in the mail like hours ago oh yeah oh it's uh it's finally here i don't know how when did you order your When did you like reserve yours because how um i i was like hammering the get button like, yeah. you know, as soon as the thing became available and I got it relatively early, I'm pretty sure. But mine was still not first quarter. Like I even despite my best efforts, I still was in like the second quarter of, of deliveries. Here we are, I think, in the late Q3, early Q4 or something. I think I actually I'm going to check that out real quick. I'm going to search back through my mailboxes and see. Well, when regardless, I they have been delivering the things at a much faster pace i was really worried yeah. that you know given that valve um they you know they're not a major hardware they've certainly had hardware products before but none of them have been runaway successes and given when they were yeah. introducing this thing in the middle of a global parts shortage et cetera, et cetera, i was really worried that we were going to be in a situation where this thing was going to be so boutiquey and so hard to get that it was going to be uh just Impossible for people to get, and that it was going to lead to like you know less. Like I, I was really, I'm really rooting for this thing to be a uh, uh, a big player in the market because I feel like it has the potential to move um, people who would primarily be console game players over to PC platform uh, in a way that you know it, it feels like a console, but it has a lot of the freedoms of playing on PC, and I think that'd be really good for the industry as a whole. I'd love to see you know more games get good pc ports and so on so yeah it, it is a really cool piece of hardware just in terms of its openness um it as a as like a as a console it's like it's pretty it's pretty good it, it's coming at a good time in the market i think because like people are starting to um have games that they would like to play that are not going to run super well on something like a like a nintendo switch right yeah and the fact that so. the quote you know the quote-unquote switch pro clearly got delayed probably i would say like fall of next year is what i'm hearing in terms of rumors i'm not a i'm not an expert yeah but like the fact that it's been so significantly pushed back um i think it, it's definitely opened up some room for the steam deck uh to really shine so i'm 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 not mm-hmm. saying i'm glad that the switch got delayed but i think it's uh it's, it's opening up some interesting opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like shooting for that Switch form factor. And I think it's going to be pulling people like myself away from the Switch. Mm-hmm. I haven't turned on um, my Switch almost at yeah. all since getting the Steam Deck. Oh, I mean, I certainly will not be able to escape turning on my, my Switch because of Kirby and the Forgotten Land. But uh, <laughs> That is true. We'll come back to uh, that. And in fact, there's another new Kirby game uh, that I wholeheartedly recommend. It's Kirby's... Um, fantastic dream buffet dream buffet yes kirby's i haven't played that i was i'm curious to hear about it yeah uh i'll just throw this in there uh it's basically a um i mean it's it's very similar in the structure to like fall guys if you've ever played that but it's like a online uh race to the finish uh to eat the most strawberries between you and all the other kirby's (laughs) <laughs> and uh, i didn't realize that was the kind of game it was that's, yeah. that's pretty funny it's pretty sweet yeah it, it's uh like i mean everything is food so it's got this really fun aesthetic to it um kirby is rolling around like a ball and you can you can dress him up which is very fun uh, there's lots of all the powers are food themed so you know it's like a spicy pepper for the fire and things like that and um it's big, uh, races kind of interspersed with mini games and, uh, just really kind of, uh, <laughs> I, I just like it a lot. I think you should, uh, you should check it out and we could play it online or in person co-op. It seems like a very nice for that. It does have uh, couch, um, competitive, but competitive is not really where my Kirby fan in my house is at so <laughs> you're not um, you're not excited to just crush your five year old at uh at kirby eating contests yeah he uh he is well <laughs> he enjoys playing it with me um because it is just fun to do um but uh it's he's not like rare into to go with this one um <laughs> he's uh he's like he wants to play on the free play mode there's like a uh, there's like, a, can we do the one where you roll around and don't race anybody and don't get hurt? Yes, yes, we can do uh, the free play <laughs> where you. Just... I, that, I'm glad it has that. That's yeah. the kind of thing that you need in a Kirby game. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, sure, we'll get into this with Kirby, but like, I, I, I wished that this game had that, that uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land had more of that because there were definitely times where I was having a hard time. Like, you know, I want my kid would want me to hand her the controller and she uh-huh. just couldn't couldn't wrangle it um she would get stuck in a corner or whatever. I really was was wishing for more of a uh um a co-op that would be friendly for like the 3-year-old set because it was mm-hmm. it was just not quite there for her yet. Yeah, she liked I, watching but she was not able to make it happen herself. This was like a very skill-building game for my son because he uh like he started off you know we we start we we got this game pretty much right when it came out, which is when you brought it over and showed it to us. And um you know he he had really had kind of limited game skills before i told you guys the story of how we would play uh super mario 3d world and i would pick his character up and carry him and throw him onto the flag uh <laughs> like literally carried him through the entire game so in this he wanted to pl- i i was like okay i i am not going to be carrying him through this in whatever the equivalent of like carrying <laughs> is um so I I made him Kirby and I told him that um uh that he would have I I I fibbed to my son. I told him that we would unlock two player once he had done like a various different things. Oh. And um so he really wanted to play at two player with me. Um and I was going to be playing Bandana Waddle Dee. Technically, you unlock a Bandana Waddle Dee pretty much right away. Um not to say that the first stretch like you have to walk from the beach and I think complete the first level and get to town that, and that's when you unlock bandana waddle D as the second player. But um, like even just getting him through that first level by just kind of talking him through it and like making sure he knew what button to press and like talking him, talking to him about all the stuff he was doing uh, really did. It was a really good tutorial level. It was like a great level one, one. Right. And, um, so the the rest of the game, I did like he you know he was Kirby and I was Bandana Waddle Dee and there's you can't get through the game just on Bandana Waddle Dee like Bandana Waddle Dee can't go far from Kirby you'll t- teleport back. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that Bandana Waddle Dee is good at is absolutely fucking annihilating bosses um, <laughs> because Bandana Waddle Dee's spear is like as good as Kirby's sword. And you like, you can't lose it. Uh, and you has got range and, um, you know, Bandana Waddle Dee can kind of die, but he kind of comes back. So uh, Bandana Waddle Dee is a, is a really great boss helper character. Uh, but Kirby really has to do it all. And Kirby is such a cool, this is an incredible like version of the Kirby character. Um, like the thing that I appreciate the most about this game is the copy abilities are all totally unique and like have incredibly d- differentiated and varied like uh, like moves and and gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's I, not- I want to before we jump into talking about the copy abilities, I want to talk about the best thing about this yeah. game, which is yeah, the opening cinematic and song. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I I fell in love with this game instantly when you put yeah. it on because so the you know, if you I mean everyone has played Kirby games at some point or almost everyone um, there's this is Kirby's first like fully it's it, when when people when they first started announcing this and advertising it I think people thought this was going to be like Kirby's Breath of the Wild is going to be some open world thing and it's not that I would say it's it's much more in structure similar to something like um, Super Mario 3D World it's it's very yeah. um Level based and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it has this like really open feeling to it, and the the entry area is like incredibly. The, the, the you get this like cute little like intro scene where Kurt. What, what happens in that? I'm trying to remember the sure. specific. So this it starts off. Um, I've seen it millions of times now. Of course you have. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, we. I mean, because we just started the game over, so it starts off with. Um, Kirby is just kind of running around on Planet Popstar where he lives, which is, you know, it looks cool. And then a giant vortex opens in the sky above him and it pulls a bunch of the residents of Planet Popstar, um, mostly the Waddle Dees, and it pulls him and his friend Bandana Waddle Dee and a bunch of little monsters and stuff through into this other world. And um, the other world that he's pulled into. Looks a lot like our own world. Kirby's world is a world full of like hyper cartoonish, uh, like blobs with eyes. Right. Uh, But here now he's in a a world that has a lot of recognizable things from, uh, you know, the real world, except it looks very Post apocalyptic. So you start this off. Is the strangest thing about this game is that the 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 theming is this like jolly cutesy post apocalypse, and mm-hmm. you're... everything is like yeah. slightly grungy. All the humans. This looks like a world in which humans used to live, but they're all it's, gone or dead. It's kind of in the name. It's it's a forgotten place where like nature has reclaimed the world. Yeah, right. It's not a it's for the most part, it's not like a, a grim and gritty post-apocalypse. I kept expecting to find Bright like a green. toilet with a skeleton on it. <laughs> you, there are no skeletons in this. Um, You know, it's, it's, it, it's very aesthetically. It's incredible that, that it works as well as it does, but it works really, really well. And, you know, you Kirby is like, comes through this forested area and through um, like a, a vine covered city block. And uh, that's where you run into Elflin, um, who is the standout new character in my opinion. Elflin is a weird blue rat with giant wing ears. And uh, thank you for giving my son a Elflin plush for Christmas. That was you are greatly treasured by. Him. That was a birthday no. gift, not a Christmas birthday. Gift, that's either. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that was in the height of his fandom for this game. Um, so he was he treasures that very much plushes are his favorite thing in the world anyway um and what is it with kids they love them little little stuffed animals not uh-huh. that I, I get it i love a stuffed animal too oh yeah me too my uh, daughter's my daughter's room is just overflowing with them though like the, the the problem with stuffed animals unlike most toys is that i can't get rid of them because uh-huh. it feels like killing a puppy i have the you know best I mean? tip for you yeah tell me so we we got this thing that is basically a big um like imagine a beanbag chair except there's no beans inside of it it's just a gigantic velour sack with a zipper and you put the uh stuffed animals inside of it and turn them into a beanbag chair (laughs) and you can sit on it and play on it and then you can open it up and take them out and you know sometimes he'll take all the stuffies out and climb inside of it it's just uh it's terrific very good that is a, that is a pretty stacks. good idea, but, you know, I, I'm just having, like, Toy Story visions of, like, no, <laughs> not the sack of shame, no. No, they love going in the sack. It's their house. All right, all right. Yeah. um So... <laughs> <laughs> so then uh where were we we have the bandana waddle with elflin elflin yeah uh-huh. elflin a and the bandana waddledees yeah so or the not they are there's one of them with a bandana the rest are just waddledees it's a it's a dobby clothes kind of scenario all the rest of them are like little like pikmin slaves but bandana waddledees someone gave him one piece of clothing and now he's a warrior i had never appreciated the waddledees until this game, like, I mean, they're the most generic little thing in, uh, in the Kirby games, but the Waddle town is something to be, it's just, it's just incredible. I love the, wa- and Ty the Waddle Dee town too. Like, yeah. Honestly, um, my kid also just wanted to spend time in the Waddle Dee town. We would go back to the Waddle Dee town, you know, we'd get tired of doing levels or fighting bosses and we would just go back to the Waddle Dee town and buy cake and eat it on the roof. Yeah, that was all she wanted to do. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things. They they have packed the Waddle Dee. So, I mean, it starts off with nothing there, right? So this is that thing in video games where you save the town. um, And like on the missions, you are saving. The objective of all of the missions is to save the Waddle Dees. And, you know, you'll get a certain number of them for just completing the the mission or level um, area, whatever. Um, And then there's these side quest things that are like secrets you can find. And I mean, the level design in this game is just fantastic. Like the levels have like a sense of place that like no Kirby game has ever had before. Um, And then on top of that, they have all of the Kirby has always had these like really. um, Deceptively twisty turny levels that usually have multiple ways to go through them and lots of secrets and that's really true here, too. And it's done in a really satisfying, fun way, um, especially since, you know, Kirby can move in this new dire- direction now. You've got this uh, kind of 3D level design and the a lot of the uh, copy abilities are like stepped up in terms of like letting you you know move around in different ways and stuff like that. Um, so like, you know, you're out there, you're saving the waddle dees and then you're unlocking buildings in the town um you know different stuff like that and, and you unlock a lot of cool stuff in the town there's like a fishing mini game and there's like you mentioned there's a restaurant and there's uh like three or four different stores and there's a um uh there's a a coliseum where you can do a boss rush mode and uh, like there's a lot of stuff in in the waddle d town to do and uh yeah it's and not to mention like kirby has his little house and in the little house you can like collect toys and display them on kirby's little table and kirby can go to sleep in his bed there's so and ty wanted to do all of this stuff it was wonderful to see did you do do much of the fishing all my daughter wanted to do was do the fishing you know we didn't really like the fishing that much but that's cool (laughs) i mean you know different strokes for different small humans yeah we did a lot of the uh coliseum um it, that's much more fun the fishing was really boring yeah. but i had to do a lot of it yeah that's cool uh what i really liked though i really liked the um the gachapon machines and the little yes. toy collection that's super fun uh you find those in the world they're a good collectible um but you can also just buy them with coins out of this gachapon machine it's really like i i mean you know, collectibles we have a long standing like understanding yeah. of like what is a collectible what is a good collectible on this on this show like we're uh, i'm not pro collectible but the idea of a like having a having a cute capsule toy machine where you can go and buy uh or find in the level these little tiny it's obviously that like they little just like model. repurposed all of the assets from the game yeah, it it's, it's it's kind of smart you know like well we're building this Kirby game it's got a zillion like cute objects everywhere I guess a lot of games do this but uh, this game does it pretty well and um, uh, it's one of the things I like about that in particular is like when you go to look at any of them uh, it doesn't just like load them up in the menu in 3D it puts them on a little table and like you're zoomed in on them but Kirby is like looming over the table (laughs) grinning at his toy (laughs) I love it's it. It's Fantastic! Uh, you also get descriptions of all of the items, or most yeah, of them, of I think. Yeah, anyway, and and I, I like that too because, like, yeah. you know, you don't you you want to know the the two sentence weirdly translated description of yeah. the you know the rat enemy or whatever. It's great. It's it's, well, a it's great to know that, that like the turtle like that is ha, ha, instead of a shell has a big building is called a tortilding. And, uh, <laughs> That's so good. You, oh know, you just want to you want to know all this stuff. So it's yeah. Um, it, it does enhance the, the experience. Um, but I would think the big standout here is just really, really good levels. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would constantly not like occasionally Ty would have to like pass me the controller, especially early on. He barely has to do this anymore, but, um, he would have to pass me the controller to get through some particularly tricky piece of platforming or whatever. But I mean, Hey, it's Kirby. He can fly. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but, So occasionally he would hand me control over Kirby, but frequently I would just be jealous of him controlling Kirby (laughs) because there's so much fun stuff for Kirby to do. There's so many secrets. is incredible. I wish they would give Bandana Waddle Dee just a little bit more uh, fun (laughs) shit to do because I know. You know it's this, is, this be is the worst thing about it like like just put two kirbys in the game guys it like for the dads like you gotta have like this the bandana waddle thing is really tough because like if you're playing as bandana waddle like i mean you know but like if you're playing as bandana waddle you're you're so much more limited and but like there's no way you're gonna ever convince your child assuming you're playing this with a child which like Obviously, like we're talking about this game from the use case of a couple of dads who've tried playing this game. Hey. With their kids. I played. I played a lot of it all on my own too. But like, if you're if you're playing this game with a kid, you're never going to convince your kid. Hey, you know, I know you like that Kirby fella, but you know, it'd be really fun playing as this dork. Like Look, he's got a hat. <laughs> he's got a hat. You're never going to convince your child to play Bandana Waddle Dee. So if like structurally, you need. If you need if you're going to have a character like the, the the youngest probably most inexperienced player is probably going to want to play as Kirby like you really need that second player character to be able to get them out of jams and they can't like there's no way for you to like go bump Kirby out of a corner like my my kid would have problems where just like she would just like suddenly lose control lose the ability to like walk around you know like she just I don't know suddenly she couldn't figure out how to get out of a corner Uh And like, I would, I would want to get her out of the corner. And my only way of doing that would be like, like, I either have to sit there, like grinding my teeth and saying, come on, kid, you can push the stick to the right. And then she'd start getting frustrated. And like, then nobody's having any fun. Or I could take the controller away from her, which she didn't want. No. Um, But like, if Bandana Waddle Dee could like, you know, I don't know, go and Sumo bump her out of the corner, or pick her up and throw her, or something. I, this yeah. it, we would have been able to get past these these like moments and back to back on the fun. So I was pretty I, frustrated about that. I, on the one hand, like I I totally agree. Like I had a thousand and one of those moments, but on the other hand, um, like I kind of went into this having had exactly that experience with uh with uh Super Mario 3D World where. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I I now know that it's completely possible for player two to literally carry player one through the entire game. Right? Um, the fact that this doesn't let you do that, I was I was ended up pretty thankful for because. Hmm. Um, I. Well, your kid is older than mine, so that's probably yeah. The, he's the difference. he's a little he's a little older, uh, but he definitely really struggled with the game at first, and I would just. Um, you know, I, I really just kind of said, Hey, it's not my job to teach my son how to play Kirby. It's literally Kirby's job to teach my son how to play Kirby. That's how I learned how to play Kirby. <laughs> I, I played level one a bunch of times. So you learned how to play Kirby by downloading the, uh, Game Boy ROM on a school computer in like, what would that have been? Yeah. 1999. Yeah. The La Escuela Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, and running it on the three hundred and eighty sixes, just like I did. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty great. Good times. Um, I don't know how many times we've told that anecdote on the show, but I just have to. This is the Kirby episode, so I have to tell it again. Um, which is the we went to a school that in the early nineties was kind of on the forefront of having. A miniature computer lab in every room so every room had tons yeah of we, were, we were from houston texas this was Compaq's hometown yeah, basically absolutely. and they had some kind of big grant and we're talking about a an elementary school where yeah. literally every room had 30 pcs and that's yeah. like mind-boggling if you just think about like the space that that would have taken Full-size up size pcs yeah um yeah there were these like compact all-in-ones kind of like imagine the like beige compact they weren't all in ones uh, they they had uh they had crt monitors stacked on top of no no no. you haven't seen these things in a while shane i've been looking for one on ebay because i think it'd be a fun thing to have oh really they were they were an all-in-one they were um i know the model but i don't remember the number off the top of my head they were they were an all-in-one 386 memory soon um with a crt Uh uh-huh and uh and they were really neat machines and they were really badly locked down because it was the 90s or actually I guess by this point, no, I guess it would have still been in it like very late. Yeah, days. they were so locked down that, uh, oh man, you you couldn't do anything on these computers. But you, you Reagan figured out, Reagan and his friend John uh, figured out that you could make a DOS boot disk and boot from the from the floppy drive of these machines and then go onto the machine and delete the security software yep and which was uh, literally just a. I remember it was fortress.exe For, and you yeah. just have to go, boot to dos and then go Delete in and it's fortress dir or, you know del or whatever it was i don't remember dos yeah. commands uh fortress.exe and then you were in charge baby. jailbroken yeah and uh and at that point what what can you do on these pcs that you couldn't already do and the answer Not is run emulators yeah. run and at the state of the art in terms of emulators back then was original game boy. Uh, it could run most original game boy games pretty well. I remember it was too slow to run nesticle. Oh, uh, man. So we had to run whatever the game boy emulator was. I think it was like no money GBA or not. No money GBA. That would have been much later. Uh, no money GB, I think, um, whatever, whatever it was called. It was. I don't remember some nineties yeah. game boy emulator. Um, but I remember playing an absolute ton of of uh, the Kirby Kirby's Dreamland, and the other one that I played a, a ton of for some reason was um, Avenging Spirit, which actually yeah, just dude, got a re release was... um, of on cartridges from um, Jalico and oh, I forget which which company oh, was sweet. doing the re release. I bought one. I was like, man, this is the one Game Boy game that I I would. It's so expensive now. This is a another weird sidetrack but like i don't know how i happened to manage to to stumble on that one particular game avenging spirit but if you haven't played avenging spirit it's an amazing game uh about um you're a cute little ghost who can jump between bodies of like gangsters and kangaroos and robots and do platformer stuff it's a wonderful game but um it's crazy expensive now because it's like a really kind of a uh, uncommon like I, way, it's way out of my price range, but but buying a nice re-release of it, I was I was all for it. So that's still coming to me in the mail someday when they finish that whole pre-order situation. Anyway, um, Game Boy ROMs they were a thing; they sure were, and uh, yeah. So that was a good introduction to Kirby. Uh, I have tried to explain. Ty has asked me a million questions about Kirby, uh, just you know, because it's a frequent subject of conversation. He wants to know everything there is to know about Kirby. And so I told him um, – I told him that basically I had a Game Boy because I, I was not going to explain the situation with the computers. Yeah. And, explain. Well, son, guess, in 1990-something, Daddy figured out a pirate games. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's no. how I played Kirby's Dream Land. Uh, <laughs> uh, So um, – yeah, he's, have he's, you showed him how primitive the original, uh, Game Boy Kirby was? I wonder what his I reaction have. to that would I be. I have. In fact, when, um, when I, I had shown him pictures of a Game Boy, and then when I got the, um, uh, the MeU Mini, he was like, a Game Boy! Oh. And, uh, and he wanted to see Kirby on it immediately, and, uh, you know, he was perfectly happy to play that version of Kirby for a while. He liked it a lot, and, uh. We've also on the Switch played a decent amount of uh, a couple different Kirby games on the on the virtual console on the on the Switch online. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the SNES Kirby's I think hold up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the two that I think we've messed around with. I'm trying to remember it. One of them was like it's one of them is the one with the animal buddies. I like that one quite a bit. It's for SNES. It's been too long, so I don't remember and, which one. Uh, but yeah, another one. I, mean, I was mainly looking at the SNES ones, but the the second SNES one is the one that's like a compilation of a bunch of little games. That one. That's the one. That's a really cool game. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fun one too. There's just a lot of variety. It's weird. I think uh, that one's like I mean, Kirby it's all just Superstar little Kirby or something. I forget yeah, something the names like now. Uh, yeah. Listeners, you can look this up on the. You know, sorry, don't be annoyed with us for not remembering. Then, and you're probably yelling into your. I'm not a Kirby expert. Into your, uh, into your phone, like. I know what Kirby game can't believe they don't remember, but uh, we don't. And we're too lazy to look it up. <laughs> I, you, you have a, a very skewed image of our listenership, which is that a, they are like Kirby experts, but B they're also angry. Kirby experts, angry, Kirby I experts. I feel like that's Specifically like a angry at me. overlap. I honestly, if you are that person, please actually reach out. I'm very <laughs> curious about your <laughs> viewpoint. If you want to yell at me about Kirby, I'm, I'm down. We could have that convo. Absolutely. Um, The, uh, the thing I also especially want to hear that person's take on Kirby and the forgotten land, uh, which, uh, yeah, like I think it's a perfect direction for Kirby to go. I think, uh, the having like gone through and beaten the game, uh, the it's, it's almost certainly my game of the year. And I'm not saying that in, as like, I'm a proud Papa who, whose son helped, you know, we beat the game together. Uh, Especially once you get to the end, there's like a whole like final series of levels that are kind of kind of post credits. And those were like genuinely hard. And like my son could not do them, but he wanted to watch me do them Um like this game has such a it's such a good experience, like beginning to end. It's so like fun and pitch perfect and we haven't even mentioned, like, mouthful mode, which is so good. <laughs> um, That's the new gimmick of this. Of this. Yeah. The, uh, it's, the, like, it's really the funniest. Th- it, it's mostly just, like, put key in lock. Uh, but No, it's, it's not. It's, like, a whole new... Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's level specifically. Like, there's a lot of abilities that you're doing... The things that you're doing in mouthful mode that are... Please explain um, mouthful mode. You can't just okay, say that. So, so mouthful mode is... Uh, we all know that Kirby swallows things. That is the concept of Kirby. And he, uh, will take the abilities of the, you know, little cutie bad guys. He swallows mouthful mode is like him trying to swallow things that are huge and he can't, but he just like wraps around them like a gigantic pink sleeve. (laughs) Um, so, um, if you try to like the you let's go back to that opening sequence which is so so uh so wonderful like uh kirby fights off some of these like cute little dogs in a uh car dealership <laughs> and then he, while he's trying to suck up these cute little dogs and eat the yeah. woofies the woofies very cute um uh-huh. he s- accidentally sucks up a car and so this is now Kirby like controls completely differently. Kirby drives like a car, right? Which is a great concept. It's fantastic. Uh, and every one of these it is one hundred percent these... cuter than Kirby just like swallowing a car and turning into a car. This image of him like almost swallowing a car, a car yes. that's like draped in Kirby flesh. It's it's extremely funny. It's much funnier than like yes, 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 yes. the basic copy abilities. Mechanically these are pretty different from the copy abilities because like the copy abilities are things you can basically use any of them anywhere. Like you can you can if you are really sure you want to do it, you can uh, you know always go back to Waddle Dee Town and get the exact copy ability that you want. Uh, and if you you know this is a little a little trick for the um for for Kirby fans everywhere. If you suck up two enemies at once such that you would get a uh, a copy ability, two different copy abilities at the same time. Instead, it gives you like a, a slot machine where you can like essentially pick any huh. copy I don't think ability. I ever got that to happen? That's interesting. Um, yeah, it's like it, I it's very hard to get that to happen, but when it does happen, it's very cool. Um, uh, the um, so yeah, like you have a lot of access to the copy abilities, and uh, but you know the copy abilities are cool, and they, they change how Kirby controls a lot, maybe more than they have in any game before, uh, but nowhere near as much as the mouthful mode things like turning into a car, uh, turning into a vending machine. Um, you know, they're, they range in complexity, uh, but they're all really tied to the level they're in. So, you know, if Kirby turns into a car, it's because you're going into like a cool driving sequence, and you can... Uh, suck up the card, spit out the car anytime you want, and uh, the same is true for most of these things. Some of them are super hilarious. Like one of them is like y- you you knock open like a pipe, and Kirby will like fill up with water like a balloon, and can like spit water everywhere. And they use that in a lot of uh, puzzles and things like that. They're they're really tightly integrated into the level in a way that the copy abilities are not. Um, you know, they are definitely parts of levels that want you to solve a puzzle by using a particular copy ability but uh, you know the, the this whole this whole thing the character can do so much and what what was so great to me the reason I was so intrigued by Kirby when I was a kid is the same reason that Kirby is still great. It's that compared to m- most video games, compared to nearly any video games that the, in the era that Kirby was coming out, the original one, uh, Kirby's Dreamland. Kirby just has a ton of different things he can do and a ton of different verbs. And, and like, Kirby plays in an incredibly complex way for a little pink blob that's, you know, easily controllable by a five year old. So I mean, that it's so great. I, I I'm so glad this game got made. I'm I'm really glad your kid like grokked it. I'm I I, I kind of took a break from trying to play it with my kid, mm-hmm. um, because it she was, should play it with Ty. Yeah, that'd be fun. Bring her, they were bring starting her to up. it was starting to lead to some like uh, frustration, but that was you know the last time that I really gave that a shot with her was a couple of months ago. Yeah, now she could she could do bandana Waddle Dee with Ty, and, and I bet they would have a great great time. Bandana Dee automatically teleports to wherever Kirby is. So ah, or, that's that's a the way, way to go. go, go though, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, um, is there anything left to say about Kirby and the Forgotten Land? I would just say that this is like probably the the best first party Nintendo game of the year, at least as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. I know, yeah, no like doubt. you know, Splatoon fans might have their own uh, things to say about that, but man, this was a really great new entry in a series that doesn't get great new entries all that often. Um, I was a big fan of Planet Robobot on the uh, on the 3DS, but that was the last um kirby game i interacted with at all um there were some kind of middling ones between then and now and and then this game like came out earlier this year and was really good like and re and we also didn't talk about the graphics like the switch is really showing its age but this game is incredible looking it's a beautiful game yeah yeah they've done a lot with like blurring background elements like you can if you really look for it you can see things like characters that are moving around in the background the farther away you get from them the lower you know the number of frames of animation they have to the point yeah. where if you really get far enough away that little woofy moving around in the background is like a little like slideshow gif with four frames um, but it they're clearly like doing smart things in a it's in it yeah. yeah the they're they're making great use of of the hardware that they have like and it in no way looks bad. This is a really great great looking game and uh the 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 characters are so cute and fuzzy. I I want a plush a woofy, not for my son but for me. And uh these things are I mean, he, he, yeah, it, it's just such a, such a, such a delight. It, like so many Kirby games are like, well, he'll be a, a pinball or whatever, but this is like mm-hmm. sells you on. character. Don't, a car- don't knock the pinball character. Game. Kirby, Kirby pinball for the play uh, of the, yeah. for the, the game boy, incredible game. One of the best pinball games ever made. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did not, don't knock that. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I T- tied and I tried the Kirby Golf game uh, on uh, SNES. Oh, um, uh, Kirby like Dream Putt or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah I know what you're, um Dream Course Kirby's Dream I was, Course. I was feeling a little uh, tired one night, and I was like, "You are just gonna watch me play to Kirby's Dream Course," and uh, he was not happy about it. Aw, <laughs> that game is great, but it's honestly really hard. Like, like that is a that is I I I think it'd be really hard to play that as a kid. It's it it's. I had a really hard time with it as an adult and I never, I never finished it for sure. I played like maybe 20% of it max. Mm -hmm. I I guess the only other thing I want to say about this game is how great the bosses are like, Mm, yes, it has a lot of levels and everyone is and ends with a very cool boss. They're all part of this group called the beast pack. uh, (laughs) That is just a bunch of, a bunch of animals that have kind of taken over the world. And uh, yeah, they're super great, great designs. Um, the final boss is weird as hell. Uh, like final couple bosses are super, super weird. Uh, I, I think this game is like the the character design for it is just great. Uh, my kid only wanted to see me play like you would want to see me play the uh, the tree boss, which is like either the first or second boss again and again and again. Mm-hmm. It's like fiendish fronds, something about tree danger honestly that's the that's my only complaint about this game is i thought th- amongst these bosses i thought that was the worst boss in the game it's boring it's it's bad in so many. like how i know but it's tradition like it's Kirby Kirby, you always have, have a tree, tree boss. boss you have to have the At tree least boss, this time it this was a one. palm tree i mean i would have rather had the 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 basic oak tree uh so so lame th- that palm tree Here comes the angry Kirby expert again I can't believe they made it a palm tree yeah that's I'm being that expert right now I I felt like the palm tree was uh, annoying and like a, a more annoying version of like one of the only repeat and that was all, all my right? like certain times we'd sit down and I'd be like let's play a new level and she's like no I want to see the tree again <laughs> like god no let me go man i'm sorry yeah she's uh i think that the, the difference here is like when when uh ty and i play games together um he's not telling me what to do he's like what should we do next that is not how my kid operates oh you know what he did today he came home from uh from uh pre-k with uh a bunch of hand illustrated magic cards that he made for me oh my god that's the coolest thing, thing I've, I've ever heard yeah he made them out of construction paper aw yeah he knows what his daddy likes yeah he's uh he doesn't know he doesn't know what the cards are he just knows that i have them and i like them (laughs) 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 and he and he can draw a picture of a monster and and write some uh scribbly words underneath it it's perfect that is the sweetest thing i've ever heard of yeah Mm -hmm. you need to come up with rules for them make little Mm -hmm. card sleeve versions or something yeah i'm probably gonna i'll i'll probably uh uh, well, I have to cut them out because they were all on one big piece of, of uh, <laughs> construction paper. But he wants to cut them up together and and uh, and and try to play a game, I guess. So we'll. Uh, we'll Gosh, that's adorable. That, yeah. that is adorable. Uh-huh. Well, uh huh. Well, any last thoughts on Kirby and the Forgotten Land? Otherwise, I think we got time for some. What's making us happy this week? Um uh, no, I mean I feel like I I probably said as much as I can about this game. Um, it's. It's really good. I think you've yeah. heard me say that probably in 15 different ways at this point. Yeah, it is very good. Uh, and uh, if you didn't catch it, it's a, it's a Switch exclusive. Obviously, it's been out a little while, but Switch games never go on sale. So, uh, you know, you'll you'll pay what you pay and you'll like it. Uh, but it is worth it. It's like it's this is one of those games where I, I bought it full price on launch day for Switch and I did not look back. I, I was very happy with that. So, yeah. Um, worth worth it especially if you have a kid to play it with but even if you don't i think it has stuff there for anybody who likes platform stuff especially this kind of platforming absolutely 10 out of 10 yeah um so i was gonna recommend a game for what's making us happy this week and actually first thing i need to do is say a a quick thanks to a listener jesse on the discord Uh, For recommending a game called Dungeon Encounters, Uh, and it's been it's been what I've been playing a good chunk uh, of this week. Uh, I'm nowhere near done with it, so maybe maybe I'll uh, change my tune uh, by the end. You never know. But uh, this has been a really cool game. Um, If you aren't aware of Dungeon Encounters, you may easily have missed it. I kind of saw some stuff about it when it first came out, but it came out on october 14th our birthday shane last year 2021 um and uh it's a really really strange game from a major developer um it's a turn-based role-playing game in you know the the style that you may expect from a developer like square enix this comes from square enix and its director is a hiroyuki ito who was also the director of uh final fantasy six uh i think nine and 12 like major final fantasy games and he's uh credited as being the guy who created the active time battle system so like rpg royalty i don't know what that is uh yeah if you aren't familiar the active time battle system is the is the system that uh that final fantasy games uh have used since at least six where you have a kind of a um The sort of i think semi-apocryphal uh description of like where this came up where he came up with this idea was from watching f1 races where like the character the characters the, the cars are going around the track at slightly different speeds and it's possible eventually for one to essentially lap another and the idea was like rather than having characters um acting in a specific order like this guy then this guy then this guy everybody has a speed stat That affects a kind of a meter that goes and and shows like how fast they are you know they are getting to their turns. So a a character that's very fast, um, that meter might be moving more quickly. They get more turns, and there's other aspects to the ATB as well. But basically, the ATB is like a big aspect of what made the Final Fantasy games Final Fantasy games for a certain era, and um, uh, apparently. Uh, he just sort of had some leftover ideas about active time battle system that he wanted to address he's you know he's been around in the industry a long time i don't think he's exactly like close to retirement at this point but he's kind of like ascended to the heavens right Um, but he wanted to make this game i don't know exactly how this works but my read on it is that you know he's he wanted to make a new game based on active time battle system where he could explore some new ideas he had about it, or maybe some, some things he had previously wanted to do, but, uh, who's going to, who's going to pay for a like huge budget, uh, turn-based, you know, they've really, even with the final fantasy games moved away from that style of battling to this much more act, you know, uh, fully 3d, uh, action kind of style, like with the new, um, you know, final fantasy seven remake. So I guess nobody in square could say no to this guy and they let him make this really low budget game that looks like absolute. I mean, I, I, when I say this, I say it with love. It looks like trash. You look at this game, you like take one, look at its, at its uh, art. And it is, it is a game that takes place entirely on graph paper, uh, the uh it's got little characters running around on graph paper right now it's like a lot of little numbers everywhere like yeah the numbers represent there's numbers all over the graph paper representing um uh, encounters that you might have Uh, and you can look them up in the menu so like if you see like there's a d12 on the on the graph paper that means that if you go into the menu you can look up okay d12 is an encounter with uh you know two hydras and uh and a mummy Or something like that like it it keeps a log of this stuff for you um it feels in a lot of ways like a combination of the jrpg battle system stuff like the the, like a really well-considered jrpg battle system from the guy who does great jrpg battle systems combined with the sort of stripped down nature of like almost like a net hack or something like old school roguelike. It's not randomized. This is one dungeon that is carefully designed, but it is represented as minimally as you can possibly imagine. It It is a 99 layer dungeon that is entirely just map grids. And even the battle system is extremely stripped down. There's no 3D characters. You are literally looking at a menu, basically, when you do the battles, it is about as minimalistic as an RPG can possibly get. Um, there's essentially no story. You know, you can go into the menus and read the backstory on the various characters, but they don't talk to each other. There's no dialogue of any kind. Um, it is it is just RPG as puzzle, basically, or RPG as battle system delivery um, plus of course the the aspect of like exploring a dungeon. but it has this incredible push and pull of that like if you've ever played a this has really made me rethink what it is I like about RPGs. Um, it uh, you know I, I've previously if you'd said like what is your favorite RPG I would say probably persona 4 and Persona 4 combines this sort of randomized, very difficult dungeon crawling mechanic um, with a pretty good, uh, uh, battle system where you've got, you know, all the, it's got a lot of bells and whistles in the battle system. There's tons of, you know, every type of demon has weaknesses to different, um, different elements and all of this, you know, this, uh, there's this press turn system where you can get extra turns depending on what you do. And there's, there's all these little bells and whistles to the battle system. This has almost none of those things. Um, enemies don't have like weaknesses. So far, what I've played, basically, there's two kinds of damage. There's like um, like physical damage and emotional uh, damage, <laughs> exactly, uh, and magic damage. And every character can equip equip both if they want magic and physical weapons. Um, there's no classes everything is as stripped down as you can possibly get um and even like when i say things like characters don't have um or enemies don't have uh weaknesses like they have different types of attacks but like uh it doesn't you don't have like a care an enemy that's like weak to magic every uh every character yours and the enemies have a certain amount of kind of Uh, shield damage that they can take that's physical and damage that they can take that is uh that is magical before it starts hitting their hp and like well you everything that would be just like a status like weak to magic or something is just represented as part of those numbers like if something is weak to magic it's because it has fewer points in its shielding against magic Um, Everything is right up right up in front of you. You can see the active time battle system, like um, meters for all of the characters, including enemies. Everything is everything is sort of revealed to you for the most part, Um, and it it leads to this very sort of puzzle game feeling of the combat, and it's extremely compelling. It's about as simple as one of these can get, and yet I just kept going back for more and more and more of it. It also has some ways in which it's kind of brutal. So like if your characters die in the dungeon, you don't just reset to some save, it's constantly autosaving. So I took a huge i had been leveling up my characters, they were, you know, I wasn't super far in, but I was about level 20. And I had them down in in the in the dungeon, maybe 10 levels down. And um, I took a wrong turn, I hadn't been properly leveling up. And I did a full party wipe so what happens? They don't just go back to the academy at the top of the dungeon. No, you have to go in and rescue them. And what that means is you have to go back to the, the top of the dungeon, raise a new party out of your limited selection of characters. By the way, if you run out of characters, if you if you take that second party in and you kill them too, you, your game is over. You have to start the entire game again. Um, you take your party down into the dungeon and I uh, had to level up and get down to where my original characters were. And I got there, and then I realized I can't just rescue them. I have to take, I have to put them into my party. So I had to then go back up and come back down with a half party, two characters, get two of those dead characters, get them back up, then go back down again with two characters, rescue two more characters, and take them back up because you can't have more than four characters in your party. It's wild how, how like, um, like it's like it's like hostile to you it like doesn't care but it's also like really really compelling i don't know i I don't know how much else more i should say about this game other than that like this game got really really mixed reviews and i think it's definitely not for everybody like you can look at this game and be like this looks like trash it looks ugly um and you're not wrong um and maybe if you're not the sort of person who gets uh sucked into a good jrpg combat system as uh you know, in it for the, that is good in and of itself, a, a, you know, as a, as a, an element that is worth playing in and of itself, then um, maybe this isn't for you either. But like, this made me realize how much I actually really do value the combat system in a JRPG. And specifically like this one made me realize like, this is, this is a, an element of the JRPG that is good enough to stand on its own. It doesn't need story. It doesn't need a quest. Uh, it doesn't even need like someplace that I'm going it's just like yeah go down through 99 levels of this thing why because there are 99 levels of this thing and and battle on the way and it's like that is that is enough a it's good really cool. uh, a good game is designed to create those stories you know right. like so you don't need the game to be spoon feeding you the story you just told me a story about the uh overcrowded rescue attempt you know uh, yeah, that that was so cool. And, like, the characters do have just a tiny touch of story. Just enough for you to, like, be like, hmm, I, I like that one. Like, it doesn't make you just roll up a new character from scratch. Um, You know, I the, my favorite character in the game is Masonar. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. And it's because she's a mom who's doing this for money. And I'm like, okay, that character is a mom. I'm on her team now. And that's all you get about Masonar. Like, that's all and so but damned if i wasn't gonna like put in the effort to save masonar right um so it's it's a it's a very cool game i would recommend people check it out uh, currently it's 50 percent off on steam i think there's also a sale going on with the switch i don't know if that'll still be the case when this comes out um i do think that at 30 dollars, i think a lot of people were like took a look at that price tag and were like i don't know man this looks like a bunch of menus and graph paper um and you're not wrong but uh you know, give it a try if that sounds interesting to you. Do we have time for a second? What's making us happy this week? I do if you do. I guess we do, right? Uh, I. Uh, so first off, I am going to check out that game and I am going to check it out on my new Steam Deck, which I mentioned already earlier. So that's now what's making me happy this week because I just want to use this as an excuse to talk about the Steam Deck a little bit. Um, just my limited experience with it so far is that I. I opened it up and I have now installed Elden Ring and I have installed uh, No Man's Sky on it. And these are both kind of benchmark games for me. Like I wanted to see how Elden Ring performed on it. And the answer is like surprisingly well. Yeah, dude. That was the first game I played on mine too. It's really surprising how well it runs. And uh, what, what's really surprising to me is just how well No Man's Sky is running on it. No Man's Sky, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised about it. They have spent a very long time optimizing No Man's Sky. Um, but it is a much bigger game now than it ever was. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a few years old, but it's great looking on it and it plays great. It, it played at 60 FPS, like without me touching any of the settings, I was able to turn the graphics up from the defaults and uh yeah i mean it's and it perfectly synced over my save and everything for both of those games i the the startup experience has been really great um like you were saying i think this is going to be a piece of hardware where um like if they if they can like get a foothold in like worldwide um it's it's gonna really be something they've they've managed to release it at exactly the right time you know what do you think about the uh the future for the steam deck you think it's gonna be uh like is there gonna be a steam deck 2 around the corner i mean yeah i think so like that's the thing about pcs like consoles are on these like seven year development cycles or whatever right you know sometimes like it'll be ages between but what's the difference console... between this is this is a console it's not like they're gonna come out with you know a, a graphics card swap or something it's not a pc like it, it is built from some pc parts but so are consoles. Well, I think you know, I think in many, in many ways it is a PC. I mean, like, first of all, Steam or you know, Valve just calls it a PC. They say this is a new PC form factor. You know, you might buy a laptop, you might buy a desktop, you might buy a handheld. This is a new form factor of PCs. And they've committed to as you know, publicly said that this is not a one and done. They, uh, they said, this is going to be a, like a multi-generational product. They're going to, they're going to continue developing. They haven't said like, yeah, and next year we're putting out steam deck two or something. I think what you're probably going to see though, is like on some schedule that keeps pace with the APU that's in the steam deck, um, uh, valve kind of got first crack at it, but it's coming out in other devices now. Um, and you know, AMD and other chip makers, they don't stand still, Um, and it wouldn't make sense for them to just continue to put the same APU in Steam decks for seven years. Um, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, an evolution with it. And if not from valve, from other people, they've made their, uh, their operating system for this thing available to other companies. There's already some other companies building comparable, uh, products. Theirs are mostly a a little more expensive, um, and not necessarily better performance because valve is, I think. I don't think they're taking a loss exactly here but they are really pinching pennies to get these things out the door for a low price um but um they are like like i think this is now a thing like handheld gaming pcs are now a thing um the you know the integrated graphics in like amd and even intel has like incredible integrated graphics now and if you're running something with a screen as small as the steam deck Uh, especially at 720p which is basically what the steam deck screen is like uh really low power apus are able to drive a 720p image all day on even pretty good you know pretty pretty high spec games um so yeah man i i I think there's a bright future for this as a category, uh, and hey, if if Valve wants to come out with a Steam Deck two or three, you know they want to come out with a new version every two or three years, like I'm in, I'll do that, no sweat. I don't know, I don't know. I I, I definitely think there's something to be gained by just like having it be target hardware like consoles do, but maybe mm-hmm. that's just not what they're going for. They they want to just be at the forefront of everything. Well, they don't have target hardware in the PC space anyway, and everything yeah. seems to work on it just fine. It's not like developers had to like rewrite their code to specifically target the Steam Deck and would have the rug pulled out from under them if there was a Steam Deck 2 in six months. It's more like, you know, on Steam, a new gaming laptop comes out every 10 minutes. Yeah, it's true. Um, and, that, and that's never been a problem. So I think that's kind of where we are with the Steam Deck is like, we're going to see more and more devices like this and... That's fine. So I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm very bullish on it. And I think um, Valve has done the right thing by kind of making their own. But I think we're also going to see, like, I'd be really surprised if by the end of next year, we don't have like the Dell Alienware deck, you know, or other PC manufacturers. For us on the show, I'm just very glad to have it because uh, so much more of what I do now in, in terms of just games for the show are, you know, we're occasionally getting, codes those are usually for steam we're never getting codes for switch uh we're occasionally getting like you know often we're playing this like off the beaten path stuff things that come out on like itch or you you have to download or you know Mm -hmm. we we get this you know on unusual stuff that uh, isn't on consoles and you know like I, i can get it i can get it working on here so that's pretty that's pretty neat that I was, my mind was blown the the first time I, I booted it over to like the desktop mode in order to like install something like, holy moly, they mm-hmm. just, they just included this. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, I, you know how much work I have to do to install random crap on a, on like a, a locked down console. You have to, you have to jailbreak those things basically. And, uh, you know, most of them, many, many consoles, you never get that ability, uh, Whereas like this thing, you just like hit two buttons in the menu and suddenly you're booted to a Linux desktop and mm-hmm. you can just open up Chrome and download a game from wherever and install it. I, I've been really, um, when I first got the the Steam Deck, the tools were not quite that polished for getting, uh, you know, there were tools already for like basically built by people who want to run Linux games on Linux desktops. Right. And so there were a lot of tools out there already for getting games from other sources to run on the steam deck, but they were kind of, kind of janky. Um, but what I've been really pleased to see is that like the, the quality of those types of tools has really improved since there's been this huge influx of steam deck users. So like if I want to run a game that I've gotten, say for free on the Epic game store, I have a lot of games I've gotten from the Epic game store for free because they've been throwing around money so much. Um, Uh, initially i had some trouble getting that to run but now you can go on the discover store which is their kind of app store i just go over to the steam decks like um you know the desktop mode Uh, go on the discover store and install heroic that is a uh you know a free open source uh, game launcher slash installer that can get games from both epic and gog Uh, You can log into your account, it shows you your account list, you click install, it downloads and installs the game for you. And now it has a uh, it didn't originally when I first set this up, but it it uh, it now has its own built in thing where you just click a button in its menu, and it will add that game to the Steam interface for you. And then you can close that, get out of the desktop mode and go back over to the regular Steam Deck interface. And there's your game. And it works in almost every way, just like a regular Steam Deck game, like that you've downloaded off of Steam. Um, There are some things you need to be aware of, like, you know, when you do start getting into games that aren't, quote unquote, verified for the Steam Deck, you have to start paying attention to things like what version of Proton is it running with. Um, But most of the time, things just work, like you just install them and they just work. Uh, especially if it's a game that is like natively supports controller input, but even games that don't natively support controller input valve has put a lot of work into the steam input system where you can download these profiles built by people to like, yeah, let you play games that weren't optimized for controllers using a controller um the thing has a touch screen so like those few moments where maybe like a launcher pops up and you need to hit okay you're not going to be stuck on that you can just hit a button on the screen and you're good there's so many like little nice things about it um and even stuff that seemed weird at first like why did they put these big track pads on here they make perfect sense once you start that stuff yeah they they i've been messing around with them in um in a lot of games for me and just now in no man's sky it's very cool to have both like i'm used to playing no man's sky with both a controller and a keyboard and mouse you know i, I have, i've done both um but usually it's a matter of doing one or the other the look on no man's sky is you get the controller based look with the joystick and then you get more of a mouse flicky look with the with the d-pad and um like they're both. I found myself going back and forth. It's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. I, I really like that aspect of the hardware. I think they they nailed the uh, the the feel of the trackpads. They're like super useful for you know point and click interfaces too. So really cool. That's one of the big areas where like I am I am excited to see more um, hardware makers get into making handheld form factor PCs. But none of them have been copying Valve's um, uh, trackpads. Uh, they all just have basic gamepad input and a touchscreen. Mm-hmm. And um, for many games, that's fine. I I don't use the trackpads in every game by any stretch, but like when you want, when you do need it, it's really nice to have those. So I think, you know, if you're, uh, not that there's that many people in this situation, but if if folks are considering, well, should I get a Steam Deck or should I get like a slightly more expensive, like Aya Neo or whatever the things are, like these other, other companies that are making these things, just get the Steam Deck. The amount of performance you get for the amount of money you pay, is incredible. The fit and finish of the hardware is fine. I I think, you know, I haven't held any of the other competing products, but if, you know, it's, you know, it's not quite as solid as something like, I don't know, like if you've held a a nice PS Vita or something, it doesn't quite feel like that nice, but it's like very nice hardware. It's decent. Um, And just like, it's really well thought out valve has been working up to this point for well over a decade now with the various aspects of like their steam input steam controller the steam os the proton all these different projects finally came together with the steam deck it's Mm -hmm. incredible and uh, you know we've this is we're coming back to the subject of the steam deck now because i've received it like we've talked about it a fair amount previously on the show because you know i was curious about it i wanted one We've been back and forth a lot about it and hearing about yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you as a listener are interested in it, um, you know, it it is a decent time to sign up for one because at the rate that they're putting them out, they will basically be caught up with all of the pre orders or back orders by the end of September. So um, I think you probably could get one for the holidays. Yeah, you probably still could, or at the very least, you'll probably, you know, if you put in your five bucks to do the reservation, you'll probably be able to get it by the, uh, by, uh, next year, early next year, probably, but you might, yeah, might, might get it by the holidays, which would be nice. Um, not much left to say. We'll go ahead and take it out here. Uh, listeners, Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, Just a reminder, I will probably not be here for the next episode, and I'll be kind of coming and going for a little while after that. So I will be celebrating the birth of my third child and then um, cursing my fate as I'm not sleeping for the next several weeks. Um, But... you know i'm going to get through it we're coming up on if comp season and uh my co-host i know uh will will knock it out of the park with our if comp coverage maybe a little less than our usual you know we're going to see where we are able to land but because um, usually i'm doing all the editing and stuff too and we're going to figure out uh, and most the of the organizing there. and uh, yeah. a lot of the game selection yeah but we'll get there And, um, I'll be trying to jump in where I can, uh, and, uh, listeners, if you have any suggestions or things that you want from the show, especially things that you specifically want to hear from Laura, Shane, and Nate about, uh, then now would be a great time to let us know. You can find our show on the internet. At www.theshortgame.net. That's where you'll find all of the links to everything, including a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, which is where you can support the show. If you support us at even just a dollar a month, then you get instant access to our discord, which is where we talk about various things. You can, you can come in there and, and, uh, talk about IF comp as we're going, getting into that season. You can talk to Shane about his new steam deck. You can, uh, uh, come in and, and just chat with us and hang out. It's a good hang. Uh, uh, I'll be in there uh, at deep into the night as I'm feeding a new baby. And um, let's see. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. And you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thanks very much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.